1: Welcome to Escaping Society. I'm Teresa. I'm Gumby. And we are right next to the Linville Gorge in North Carolina. Up off a road that is uh, legendary for being impassable. Mm -hmm. At least for minivans. (laughs) The old Kistler Highway.
0: Mm -hmm. And it just so happens that we're here like... We've been here like two days and this is the time that the Department of Transportation <laughs> is coming to, to fix, and I say fix in quotes this road, um, I don't know. I kind of feel torn about it because we go quite a ways down. Like, I've learned how to kind of baby the van and go through shit that most people wouldn't take a minivan through. But then there's stuff that I'm like, eh, it's not worth the risk.
1: Oh, Gumby almost tipped the van down a hill the other day, backing up and going back up um, this treacherous slope. And, uh, yeah, I'm really glad that you know how to drive because I would have panicked and probably shit myself. Yeah. Teresa
0: often panics when I'm like, I know we got it, but I was scared this time. I didn't know we got it. I just did what had to be done. And so I'm, like, doing this three-point turn on this really steep hill that I didn't know was that steep until we – are face-to-face with this really uh, just horrible rutted road that I'm like, oh man, we're going to get stuck if we go through that.
1: It looks like a dirt bike championship course for uh, doing different tricks. Like there's all giant bumps and then giant ruts that are full of standing puddles of water and muck. And uh, it'd be really great if you had a Jeep, but Otherwise, I'm not sure how you get through there. We see trucks and other uh, vehicles come up and down the road, but I I don't know how they do it.
0: Yeah, and I can tiptoe the van over that stuff most of the time pretty well, but this was just too much. So I had to turn it around and man, doing a three point turn on this top heavy van with the cargo box on (laughs) the steep hill, um, going sideways on this road to complete the turn. I mean, I could feel the weight of the van, like leaning and I'm like the way I had turned the driver's side was facing downhill and Teresa was standing there like gawking at me. I was like,
1: (laughs) get out of the way. (laughs) The tires were pushed all the way up into the wheel well. So it was, um... Yeah, it was precarious. I was like,
0: man, if I roll this van, I'm gonna bounce several times before I come to a rest. But we got out of that. So now the Department of Transportation is apparently fixing areas like that. And in one way, I'm kind of like excited because now we get to explore places that we've had to turn around. But on the other hand, I kind of like stuff wild. I like the danger. I like that people have to think on their feet and think for themselves and decide what they can do and what they can't do you know kind of put on their big boy and girl pants and like take responsibility for their lives and their danger um i don't like everything all paved over and all like safe you know i think it lulls us into just more and more uh, carelessness mindlessness and stupidity so on that note i'm kind of uh eh, i you know now that they're fixing the road, what's next? Are they going to pave it? And then what's next? More traffic and then what's next? You know, one thing follows the other. Yeah. So anytime I see like a step away from wildness, uh, it's kind of bittersweet.
1: I have a feeling that this road, because every time we've been on this road, it's bad. We just forgot how bad and where it was so bad. Um, and I know this, this probably, I mean, this might not be interesting to you, but... I don't know how many people come down this road who are, you know, not from around here, and they're just like, holy shit, this is a rough gravel road. So what I was going to say was, I don't know how long this fix by the DOT will um, will last.
0: Yeah, uh, fixes in the mountains don't tend to last very long, at least here in the North Carolina mountains.
1: Yeah. Um, but yeah, otherwise, it's a beautiful day. Uh We've we've been having pretty decent luck, although this particular campsite, um, this whole stretch of road, it's around the Linville River, but we're thousands of feet up from the bottom, so we have no water except what we catch from the rain, So, but I'm glad it's sunny today.
0: Yeah, this is our last two-week campsite before we head back down to the lowlands around Durham for the winter, and it's an interesting way to end the summer because... Uh, Most of our campsites have involved either a little stream that we can kind of splash bathe and get our water from, or a big river, like something majestic. And this is one of those rare campsites we go to where there's no water. There's not even like a little spring or...
1: There's hardly puddles.
0: Yeah. We use the puddles to uh, give Sherlock water and we don't really have much use for the puddles ourselves. So it's a neat little like end of summer test for two weeks of like, all right, how can we rethink this? You know, like what have we learned about catching rain? We haven't had to do that in a while. So now when it rains, you know, we're going back to some of our old tricks of, uh, catching it off the tarps, putting out bowls, um, seeing how little water we can get away with, how little bathing we can get away with, what other tricks there are. Like we have jewelweed down the road that we can always make like a, an herbal sponge to clean ourselves. And the, the jewelweed has, um, an aloe like gel inside that's antibacterial. We haven't done that yet, but that's one of our backup plans. And also I want to look into some of the antibacterial properties of the evergreens around here. There's hemlock and, and stuff like that. And a lot of evergreens have antibacterial uh, chemicals. So if we throw it on the fire and let it smolder and create a lot of smoke, you can smudge yourself and clean yourself that way. Another thing we've been doing is laying in the sun, you know, to get like a, a dose of that <laughs> that vitamin D. I've
1: been baking my undercarriage.
0: Yeah. And uh, that's something I learned as a wilderness first responder is especially women, you know, like um, they can have problems with bacteria trapped in their uh, nether regions. So if you can find a spot that's really sunny and just like lay there, spread eagle. Um,
1: <laughs> and just watch so the Department of Transportation isn't, you know, fixing the road that week.
0: Yeah. A 20 minute clam <laughs> bake can make a big difference. So. There's that. So it's been kind of neat, you know, I Maybe miss that's... the water, but it's neat to kind of have to rethink things and, and try stuff. And man, autumn is in the air. The oh, leaves yeah. are just starting to, to turn, but uh, you can feel it. Like this morning was so cold and clear and clean feeling. Um, So that's pretty exciting. Daunting in a way, you know, it makes me realize like, woo, I better get ready. Like, here we go into to winter again. But also, I mean, just kind of a celebratory, like... <laughs> Man, we survived another summer. 45 summers.
1: 45. 45 wow. for me. Yeah. Wow. It feels like it feels like I've been with you my whole life. So
0: Mhm. And then some.
1: 45 for me too. And this morning it was cold enough for me to wear Gumby made me a pair of papuccis. And I didn't even know. Papuccis, I am pretty sure this is what my grandma called my grandma who was like familiar with the old country. Um, She called, basically they're like socks that are a little more than socks. So they're like slipper socks. And uh, Gumby knitted them out of this very turquoise, fuzzy blue yarn. So I look like Grover when I have them on.
0: Yeah, I'll be sharing a picture of that on my uh, Facebook page. So if you're curious, (laughs) check out uh, Gumby Montgomery Facebook and there'll be a a photo of the papoochee. And uh, I'm glad I've got that name now because I was following this video of how to knit these uh, supposedly tube socks, and they did not turn out to be anything like I picture tube socks. So it's good to have like, oh, okay, because it would be a shitty tube sock. But it's like, <laughs> maybe it's a decent papoochee. I'm going to go it with is. that for now.
1: It is. And it even has, because of the design, a place that you can kind of like fit in between your big toe and your second toe. And so I can wear my flip-flops with the papoochies. So I know that sounds stupid, but my shoes stank. So I'm trying not to make the papuccis smell like um, mold and mildew. They don't smell like feet. My shoes stink like mildew.
0: Yeah, and that's a plus of the design for me as well because one of the few shoes I know how to make right now is something called a wadaji. Um, that also involves like a, a thing going up between your toes. Actually, the wadaji, your toes are hanging down, so I'd wear holes in the sock like on the first day. <laughs> but a zordi is a different take on that design where it's more like a flip-flop, none of your no part of your feet is touching the ground. And if I can make these papucci and couple them somehow with Zori, I might have a shoe for cold weather. <laughs> so that that's a new plateau for me, a little little further step into uh, escaping society rewilding.
1: You're going to have like a Czechoslovakian Japanese shoe foot going.
0: That's exactly what I was going for.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, something else that, well, we're going to town tomorrow because uh, there's this really good food pantry in Spruce Pine, and um, and I just thought, well, this is our first uh, campsite where we don't have water, so let's ease into it. And what that means, of course, then is, uh, since we're staying here for two weeks, that this was like the easy couple of days, and then when we get back, we're going to have a stretch of, I don't know, like 10 days or something where we're not going to have water.
0: It's going to be our longest stretch at a campsite without doing a town run. We usually will break up two weeks with at least one town run. So a long stretch would be, you know, maybe seven days. So this will be 10 days. So a few days longer and no water, like Teresa said. So it's going to be a a new challenge.
1: And there are uh, two things I want to say about that. The first one is um, when you're in a place that you don't have water, you better not have all your food Counting on having water, like rice and beans or soup or you know, a lot of those you know, mac and cheese pasta things. They all require a bunch of water. And uh, so I would just suggest thinking about if you're gonna be around a place where you don't have a lot of water. if you haven't thought about this already, um I don't know. sandwiches are pretty good. Ooh, I made these things that a uh, a lady that we met this summer, she suggested you take tortillas. And you just put them in a pan, dry, nothing, no oil or butter or anything, just to make them a little firm and crisp like a pizza crust. And then open up a a small can of tomato sauce. Maybe you add like some oregano or whatever in there and uh, put some sauce. Don't put too much. And then if you've got some pepperoni and sprinkle some cheese on top of the pepperoni and then put that back in the pan um, or if you don't take it out of the pan, whatever, and put the lid on just to melt the cheese. And it is so satisfying. So good. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, that was the first thing was just think about your food that you're going to have and in, in relation to the water that you have. And second, it just feels like um. there's a lot of things that town has really been disappointing me on. And maybe that's a good thing since this is escaping society. Like we talked about, I think in our last episode, that it was so exciting to go to town, but it's also like not as exciting as it used to be.
0: Yeah. I find I still will get excited going into town at the idea, but now as soon as I get into town, I don't like it. Like there used to be a little bit of a window. Like, you know, if I'm in town for, I don't know, most of a day, it's like, cool. If I'm in town for two days, it's like, I'm ready to go back. (laughs) Now I almost immediately am like, oh man, I don't know what I was excited about. I guess just an old habit of thought. But, uh, I take that as a good sign, you know, I mean, my goal is to rewild, so I guess if I'm feeling more at home, um, out in the woods, that's, that's progress, and, uh, it's definitely like the peace, the peace out here is easy to take for granted until you go into town, and then the contrast is really, uh, jarring. <laughs> yeah. I mean, then it's like, so not peaceful, the traffic, the, the just people, the, the energy, the flashing sun, just everything about it. And then you go back in the woods and it's like,
1: <sighs> Yeah. I felt really let down. Um, when, it, when we went to town last and that was mainly because Just it felt like everything was broken, things weren't working, things weren't great. Oh my God, I've never had as bad of coffee as that experience.
0: Yeah, I don't know if this is part of the collapse of society right now, but man, coffee in two places in a row, first Bojangles and then at a desperation McDonald's and both places the coffee was like, I'm not picky about coffee. I enjoy really good coffee, but I'll drink bad coffee, you know, it's coffee. But this stuff was undrinkable. I mean, it was like...
1: It was just, it was basically hot water, and then I had put a little bit of creamer in, so it was like creamer yeah. tea.
0: It was like somebody heated up water, drank a lot of good coffee themselves, farted on the heated water, and then gave it to me.
1: <laughs> or pissed it out. like
0: Yeah, it was, was no good. There
1: was no coffee in it.
0: So I hope that's not a trend, because man, if things are going to blow up and erupt, wait till the coffee... It's no longer
1: available. <laughs> and all the dangerous. coffee
0: addicts. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah.
1: The amount of things that get done on coffee that that is, eh. I mean, if you're looking forward to societal collapse, that would be one way of doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure what direction you wanted to go in, but I had something else that I was just going to mention. It's not a problem as of yet at this campsite, but uh, up on the Blue Ridge Parkway, We spent a couple nights up there, and um, sometimes when you go places, and this is probably a bigger problem than I know because we don't know a whole lot of van lifers, but we generally don't have mice that get in the van, but when they do, they just take nibbles out of everything. They poop on everything, so um, I bought another plastic Sterilite box from Walmart. So there's your, your sponsor for today. It's got like a gasket, like a foam blue gasket. And if you live in a vehicle, I recommend that you have, if you don't want to buy stuff, at least save some containers, whether they're to-go containers from restaurants that aren't great, like the plastic kind with lids, or even like uh, coffee, like coffee containers. The, the more metal, the better. Oh, Mm -hmm. Um, so that the mice, if you have bags of rice or whatever, you can store it in there so the mice don't get in. But luckily, I don't think any of our food was touched, but there was mouse poop.
0: Yeah, containers are definitely good, and they help you store and stack stuff because they usually come in nice little, si- like, flat bottoms, flat tops, usually squares or rectangles, and, you know, really make uh, packing more stuff in better. And, man, we have had some biblical plagues in the van, <laughs> traveling around, living in a van. We've had ants. We've had stink bugs. Uh, we've had flies. Oh, my God, if we had flies. Um, we've had, of course, the mouse, the mice. Anything else? Ladybugs.
1: No, they, they weren't
0: bad. Yeah, I mean, you know, a biblical plague of ladybugs if you're going to be plagued with something.
1: So. Oh, no, they're so adorable.
0: <laughs> and this mouse. Like, we stopped at this uh, on this overlook beside this apple orchard, which is such a quaint little place for a little country mouse. So apparently this <laughs> mouse was like a little adventurous, more adventurous than the rest. Got into the van somehow, pooped in a few places— And I don't know what he was doing uh, or she. I don't want to misgender the mouse. I didn't ask it. Um, But it kept going back and forth on top of the van. And then we'd see it leap off the top of the van like (laughs) Banzai. And then do something and then come back and then leap off like Banzai. So I don't know what that was about. But (laughs) this mouse had some balls. Like this mouse had some rat-sized
1: balls. Well, so then let's go ahead and call it a male.
0: Uh, all right. You're going out on a limb. Oh, this is 2022. I'm get
1: canceled. <laughs> um, let's see. What else? Oh, uh, this is just kind of all practical stuff right here, right now. So I'm just going with it.
0: Yeah. I mean, if whatever you want to talk about, I've got stuff on my list. So just kick the ball over to me when you feel like you've, uh, kind of reached the end of the stuff that's like, man, this is right on the tip of my tongue.
1: All right. Hair washing Gumby.
0: You want me to talk about how I wash my hair? <laughs> no, I shave that shit. That um, huge mane of hair that I would otherwise have, I just—I'm not a vain person, so I just shave it off.
1: Yeah, yeah. So my hair has grown back, as you may as you may know, if you keep track of everything about my life. Um, and who does it? Gumby shaved my head two years ago now, I believe. Yeah. And uh, it's been actually a really good learning experience, and um. I wanted to get away from using shampoo and I have not used any shampoo. Um, I occasionally used like occasionally like two or three times I used a conditioner only bad idea, stupid idea. Don't be tempted. What I've settled on now to wash my hair is I will get a pot of water. And yes, I did this at the campsite today where we don't have water because we're going into town tomorrow. Um, heat it up as much as you want. It's just your hair. Um, and then I put it in this big metal bowl that I use, <laughs> um, for many things. Well, that's going to distract me. So we'll see how this goes. Um, but I have a bunch of tea that people like to give me. Um, Gumby's mom, when she was alive, she was, I don't I don't know if she was an avid tea drinker but she was a tea collector. So there was a lot of tea left. So I've just ended up with a bunch of tea and surprisingly people are happy to give it away. And so a couple times I've used tea bags <laughs> and uh, it's it's been pretty good and if it's if it's not too gross like your hair's not nasty um I'll also use that water to dip my washcloth in and like wash the rest of my body. So You know, it's like taking a bath, but in a bowl, but I'm not getting in the bowl. But yeah, that really works for my hair. Um, And the other thing I do is lemons or limes. um, A lot of times they'll be given to you at food pantries. Um, Sometimes you can find them dumpster diving or if they're a really good price, I'll buy some at the store still. Sorry. Lemons and limes don't grow around here. Um, And you just drop those in the hot water as well with the tea and uh, I don't know if it's the, the acidity or whatever, but that seems to be okay. Just a couple, like maybe two or four pieces of lemon, and uh, yeah, that's really a good way to clean your hair without shampoo and um, and clean your body too. I haven't had any problems with like the acidity or anything, Gumby. You did that too, you said. Um, with just plain water. You just felt like it was a a European experience.
0: Mm -hmm, Yeah, having a big metal bowl and kind of dipping my washcloth in there and washing my body. It felt like, I don't know, I felt like I was in a little hamlet in France for some reason. (laughs) But uh, man, doing without water for a little bit. It really uh, is such a good reminder of like, wow, when that water contacts your skin after a few days of just dryness and Oh, it's so good. Yeah. So refreshing.
1: It's way better than baby wipes. I I have some baby wipes. Again, uh, Gumby's mom had a uh, collection of them. So thank God for Nancy. She had like 10 of everything, um, at least. And <laughs> I was using some just to use them. And, uh, you know, I smelled kind of like a, a baby wipe that had BO. I don't know. It was just weird. It's a weird feeling. Um, water is definitely... Uh, that's my number one choice.
0: In this van, we believe that water is life.
1: That's right. That's right. And one other thing that I am... Um, I'm not sure if, like, different hair types or whatever, this would be a good or bad thing, but I've also used um a couple drops of essential oil in the water. And that's it. No tea, no lemons. If I don't have tea or lemon, I have some essential oils from long ago. I use geranium. It smells like roses. But, yeah, maybe, like... Less than 10 drops in the the big bowl of water, and that seems to make my head smell good. Hmm. And you can use your fingernails to get up on your scalp and get that, like, uh, film off, and it's gross, but that's just bodies, you know? That's just our bodies. It can be gross.
0: Well, there you go. That's how you wash a hobo's nappy head.
1: That's right. Well, it's not nappy.
0: Well, that's because you wash it. It's oily. Yeah.
1: All right. Um, right. I'm coming to the—not the end of my list, but you got what you got.
0: Well, one thing I was kind of thinking I wanted to talk about was I was thinking about we took a break and uh, coming back and um, why we took a break or why I took a break. Let me uh, speak for myself here and kind of some of my reservations of doing podcasts again. (laughs) One of the things like Teresa, as we mentioned in the last episode, has been reading the New Testament and it's got me thinking about Christianity. It's got me thinking about these teachers that teach really powerful, like deep, important things, good things. And it's so strange that these teachers will arrive and there's almost like a, uh, I don't know, like a naivety that they think other people will be able to adopt what they're teaching, even though history shows again and again that it fails. Um, The Buddha, even like when he got enlightened, he was skeptical right away. Like, nobody's going to understand this. And according to the story of the Buddha... Um, one of the gods came down, or he was moved, that there might be just a few people that can almost see the truth that he can help. But most people will not understand what the Buddha's got to say. Um, As far as I know, there's nothing equivalent to that in Christianity. But once again, you have a teacher that's teaching things, and almost immediately, it's misinterpreted. It's twisted. The words are twisted. So, you know, I'm thinking most people, the vast majority of people are a Bismally, bucket of bricks, drooling on themselves, fucking <laughs> stupid. And I think maybe we're getting worse, but it's not a new thing. You know, like Christianity, 2000 years old. I wonder if that, it's always been the case. Like 99% of people are going to be stupid. Mm. So if that's true, and I believe it is, um, it becomes kind of dangerous to talk. You know what I mean? Like for one thing, When I say that, most of you, if you examine what you thought when I said that, you're not offended. The reason why you're not offended (laughs) is because you assume you must be in that select little group of smart people looking out at all those other stupid people. But the thing is, almost everybody that hears that thinks that somebody's fooling themselves. (laughs) So most people, it turns out, are too stupid to know they're stupid. This is a problem. This is a troublesome situation. So. When you speak, and this is any speaking, speaking to any person, it's a big risk. It's a big responsibility to speak because immediately you're saying something and those words are going into somebody else's mind that's interpreting them. Already there's one degree of separation. I see it with Teresa all the time. Like sometimes Teresa tries to say, "Well, I remember when you said," and I'm like, "Oh, man, you took that out of context. You left that one thing out. That's not what I said." So If I have that problem with Teresa, who I spend every minute with, who's right here with me, how much more likely it is to say something to someone else and have it misinterpreted, have your words twisted. Now, there's another problem with that. Hmm. I just called people out like you assume everybody else is the stupid one. So hopefully somebody in their mind, if you're quick and sharp, if you didn't think this further evidence, you might be one of the stupid people. (laughs) They might have thought, well, Gumby, aren't you doing the same thing? Yes. Yes, I am. And there's a high probability that I am too stupid to know how stupid I am. Mm. So here's a stupid person broadcasting their ideas and words out to all over the globe because of the magic of the internet. There's a high probability. I'm saying some stupid shit that is getting misinterpreted and twisted immediately by the listeners. Now, even if I have that rare moment where I'm not saying something stupid, where I have a little gold nugget, where it is the truth, thuth, ooth ooh, that's a hard one to echo. Mm. But what are the odds it's gonna do any good? So that's kind of troubling, you know. That that was one of the things I was feeling weighing on me with the podcast. I'd hear some of the things I'd say, and it's like, man. You know, like when I talk about back in one of our maybe season two, there was an indigenous people's history of the U.S. Mm. I'd talk about white people. Now we've moved ahead a few years, and (laughs) I realize how destructive that language is, how racist that language is, that when I say white people, I meant something different. Yeah. And so I didn't understand what I was saying. A lot of the things I used to say... Now, the woke camp has co-opted those ideas, and I hear them echoed back to me in ways that I'm really like, oh, my God, what part have I had in teaching kids and doing a podcast and speaking and coming out and just being so uh, outspoken with some of my ideas? What if I've planted some seeds and I have some responsibility you know, of course, I have some responsibility. Anybody who speaks does in these ideas that are now turned into such ugly, destructive things. So, that is part of my reservation as well of speaking in general. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've become even more misanthropic than a year ago. I don't really like talking to people. Teresa's like the spokesperson of our van. If somebody shows up, she goes over there and talks to them. I don't talk to anybody if I don't have to. So that's something that, uh, I don't know, I just wanted to share because it's something that's been crossing my mind. And also to put that out there and see if you have any thoughts on that, like what you think about that. Um, we go out on a limb. We try to be really honest. So part of that is not holding back. Just let's go out with it. Let's talk about what we want to talk about with a recognition that we're very well, you know, might change our views, might be wrong. And I'm constantly having to change my views. I re- I, I recognize I am definitely sometimes saying, Stupid things because I have to change my views. So, what do you think about that, Teresa?
1: Well, as a stupid person, um, you know, having read the New Testament now, that was actually something that Jesus also was um, was sharing. Was like one of the things that Jesus said was, uh, if you're asked a yes or no question, either say yes. Or no, everything else that comes out of your mouth is evil. And that sounds like, you know, oh, good, evil, fire and brimstone. But actually, it happened this morning. You asked me something and I defended myself. Really, without you um, asking for a defense you know what I'm saying? Like I just what when what what was that? I honestly can't remember now because I have such a bad memory. But you were asking me if um if I had done something. It was either a yes or a no, and I said no because I blah 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 blah. blah. And I can see the value in just saying yes or no. Now whether or not I do it, that's um. That's to be seen, but I'm starting to see the value of it. And and by the way, um, that message from Jesus was then twisted by Paul and by Peter um, to, to say that uh, women should not speak. And, and to be fair, they might not have said that. Somebody else might have added that in. But just to your point, you know, that to have a message that was supposed to be, maybe you should shut up. A little more.
0: Yeah, uh, even in the uh, the Tao Te Ching, Lao Tzu has this great um, part that he he writes: "Those who speak don't know; those who know don't speak." <laughs> and again, you know, we have a great teacher that's recognized. Like, wow, as soon as something comes out of your mouth, you're starting to move into a direction of lying, um, even if you are trying to speak the truth. So, there's that. You know, like we have to like. Ask ourselves. Well, if we recognize this, what are we doing talking? Like, you know, it's a it's a it's a big responsibility, and it's a deep question. Um, yeah, look at what happened to Jesus, man. You know, you read about his life and what he was representing, and uh, he spoke, and now his words are just used like for all kinds of crazy shit that are like as far away as opposed to what he seemed to represent as it could be. So yeah. So true that. True that. Well, any yeah, any que- any uh any extra questions? like comments or anything on that topic before we
1: No. Oh, good, good. I did it.
0: Yeah.
1: Represent. Yeah.
0: All right, so we're going to try something new in our podcast. We uh One of the few podcasts we still listen to and find some value in. And again, like, I don't agree with everything he says. Matter of fact, I blatantly disagree and and catch him as I'm listening and like, oh yeah, he's uh, trapped in his little bubble there. But I like how he comes out with it, comes out with the truth as best as he can. And uh, he's very entertaining and um, provides unique points of view, which is kind of what we strive for. You know, I said, why would we talk? I guess that's why. We're just hoping to kind of create an open atmosphere, represent an open dialogue where we're not scared to say anything. If it crosses our mind, let's talk about it. If uh, we are indeed, I don't know, ignorant, racist, uh, anything, like, still, let's speak. Let's bring it out into the light. Let's look at it. Let's explore it. Um, That is something I truly believe is exploring ourselves, uh, self-introspection. So anyway, Slocum, Great podcast, Disaffected. Check it out if you haven't already, but he takes these little breaks in the middle of his show, and I like the pacing of that. So I got to thinking, why don't we take a break? Let's try that. Yeah. Like, Let's just have a break in the middle of our show. So we are going to take a break um, here in the middle of our show and come back, and for our listeners, it will be a couple of short minutes unless you use the magic of the pause button, in which case it will be as long as you like. For us, we're going to go on a hike today and come back in the evening and uh, continue our episode. So we're going to cut to a break. You ready?
1: Let's do it. Break time.
0: Hi, my name's Gumby. And I'm Teresa. We like to laugh and have fun here at Escaping Society. But right now, we'd like to take a moment to talk about something a little more serious.
1: Do you know a dog who was born without thumbs? Sure, we all do. Every day, thousands of dogs without thumbs are forced into lives of dependency, deprived of the ability to hitchhike, to turn doorknobs.
0: Thumb wrestling.
1: Or to give high fives.
0: They can only give high fours.
1: In our own lives, we have one of these special needs dogs.
0: Over the past 12 years, I have seen the frustration in my dog's eyes when he wants to approve of something, but cannot give me a thumbs up.
1: We like to think of him not as thumby capped but as toe-capable. For a small donation, we, as healthcare providers for our own thumbless best friend, can continue to provide services such as door opening, feeding, and the occasional toileting assistance.
0: For a larger donation, we may even be able to buy him new thumbs. We don't know.
1: So please, reach deep down in your pockets and your hearts. And send us a donation today.
0: Try doing it without thumbs. And we're back. So, oh. Teresa, what have we been up to?
1: Well, I've actually decided that uh, my identity is Princess Toucan
0: Because I look like a Toucan papuchi
1: I'm wearing the touc that you made, one of them, and the papoochies that you made.
0: Well, I'll tell you what. I will call you Princess Toucan Papucci on occasion that you're wearing the Toucan the Papucci. Okay. If you can say right now, Princess Toucan Papucci five times fast.
1: Ah <gasps> Princess Toucan Papuchi. No, no, <laughs> oh, no, All right. All right.
0: So we went on a hike to, uh, you know, Teresa mentioned we were at Linville Gorge, a road that uh, parallels Linville
1: Gorge. Is this called Linville Gorge Road? No. It's the... Kistler Memorial Highway, or I think it's Highway 105 or 1238,
0: something like that. Wow, Kistler Memorial Highway sounds so big. I'd picture like a boulevard. It's a dirt road that's only today starting to get smoothed out a little bit. (laughs) But one of the big highlights on this road is a place called Wiseman's View. Mm -hmm. So there's a little fork in the road and a sign that says Wiseman's View and a little parking lot there. But, oh, my God, it is one of the most majestic, overwhelming, uh, awe-inspiring views you can have, at least in North Carolina. Um, man, it is just, you come to these cliffs and the view down to the river and to uh, Tabletop Mountain and other. Ta-
1: yeah, Table Rock or
0: something. Table Rock. Um, it's just, wow. So we went on a little hike over there, seeing if any of the side trails there went any anyplace significant. They were all poop trails. Pretty much. Yeah. But there but, were some really awesome views.
1: Yeah, with a view
0: Mm-hmm.
1: as you might poop or be pooping. Poop with a view. But I have any of you listening, as you've gotten older, like gotten more afraid of heights? Because I didn't think I used to be that afraid of heights. And now I'm trembling in my knees at certain things.
0: Yeah, I was kind of watching Teresa's fear of heights like how she wouldn't get close to the cliff and it occurred to me like you know I was thinking how beautiful this was and we you know been thinking a lot about like the New Testament Christianity God lately um, that's been under conversations a lot so I was at one of these overlooks and I was thinking all right it makes sense that she's afraid of heights if she gets too close to something that's too tall she's gonna hurt herself and you know that it's just the fear got overblown a little bit, but its foundation makes sense. But I was thinking about the opposite, like something that you're drawn to. so this overlook is so what we call beautiful mm-hmm. that people come there all the time, park in the parking lot, go, you know, take a walk to see this. They're drawn to it. It doesn't feed them. It's not a possession they can carry away you can take your lame little picture, but it looks like a thousand other lame little pictures you can Google on the internet. It's not really about the picture. That just gives people like a reason why they're doing it, (laughs) but it's beautiful. And what the hell do we mean by beauty? Like, why would I be drawn to a place where danger increases? There's no good food at that cliff. Evolutionarily, what would draw my, like select Mm -hmm. for my descendants to think that cliff is beautiful? Wouldn't it make more sense to think it's ugly? You know, lots of colors. Well, I see other things with lots of colors. I'm like, eh,
1: it's not just the colors. You know? Yeah.
0: So, I was kind of wondering, like, what if beauty is somehow tied into whatever we call God? If you start digging into beauty, it's hard to describe. Mm -hmm. What is it? Why is this shape beautiful? Why are you drawn to this thing? Um, if it's not evolution, what is it? Why do we have that? What are we perceiving and interpreting as this word, beauty? So, yeah, that got me thinking about God and, you know, how especially that view, like how'd you word it with your knees?
1: Oh, well, um, towards the end of the New Testament, there's a lot of talk from Paul and Peter about, um, a God that's, that'll like, I don't know, strike fear in the hearts of your enemies or whatever weird shit they're talking about. And, uh... I guess there's a lot of people that are like falling on their knees in front of God, and when I felt the the like stiffening or like the trembling of my feet and all the way up to my knees, my knees started like wobbling, and I felt just like I wanted to fall down in front of this beautiful view because it was just so just awe inspiring, God like, godly, of God.
0: Yeah, I've always God like not liked that phrase Mm God-fearing and never understood it. It's always seemed very negative to me. But I think today was my first insight into maybe another uh, interpretation of that. Cause like I was thinking earlier in the summer, how often beauty equates to heightened danger. Mm -hmm. The most beautiful places are the most dangerous to get to. You're like walking on trails or a hundred bad things could happen to you. Dangerous things. Or you're right at the edge of a cliff Or you're looking at this horizon from a boat in the middle of a big body of water. I mean, there's just so many times that like what we call beautiful is heightened danger. And somewhere in that mix, like you're describing, Teresa, there's something close to fear because the danger is heightened. Mm Mm-hmm. So like some sense of like, oh my God, like we're so high up or...
1: Because when we're talking about overlooks, we're not talking about the ones that were constructed by the Park Service. We are going out on these ledges that have nothing underneath them. I mean, they're attached to the rock face, but that's it. It's just, there's nothing underneath that rock that you're standing on. And there's about a thousand feet, at least I'd say, to the bottom.
0: Yeah. So maybe there's something in there tied to God, God fearing that just overwhelming, awe-inspiring thing we're perceiving and just found a neat little word just to dismiss it like, oh, it's beautiful. What do you do with beautiful things? Well, you take a picture. (laughs) You know, maybe there's something else going on there and we're just, I don't know if we're forgetting it more and more. I don't know if that's misleading because that would imply that people used to know it better. And Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. Maybe it's always been kind of a rare thing. You know, like I was, I was saying earlier about most people, I think, have always been stupid. It's the rare person that, like, is kind of shaping culture. But it's so imperfect because they have these insights that they see, these truths they encounter, but how can they pass it on to – and I'm using the word stupid again, that word. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that's what I'm using now, but I guess asleep? Because you
1: can't even say ignorant because if it's a matter of ignorance, once someone learned, then they would embody that. They would learn it. But we're talking about people that they don't even want to hear what you have to say. They're not trying to learn. They want to stay in ignorance.
0: Yeah. I'd say that's one of the trademarks of ignorance. I think doesn't have to be that way. Mm -hmm. Stupidity is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. I think that's what tips the scales in my mind. Like, are you intentionally, stubbornly staying there? No. We've all been ignorant. That's part of the process of learning, and we're still all mostly ignorant. There's a lot more for us to know than we already know. But if you are entrenched in that ignorance, you've crossed the line in the stupid county.
1: You're <laughs> stupid.
0: <laughs> <laughs> stupid. woo Graham County. Wow. But anyway, was there? Oh yeah, yeah. What about what, you, something else you wanted to talk about? Wiseman's view, the uh, lights.
1: Oh yeah. So. Um, oh, and
0: by the way, we did smoke weed on the hike too. So. Yeah. Ten points if you had guessed it already. <laughs> but go ahead.
1: Um, I had heard about the Brown Mountain lights from several different places and online. If you look it up, um, the Brown Mountain lights here in North Carolina. You'll get a lot of different explanations for what the Brown Mountain lights are. Um somebody that was stopping by our campsite, well, every so many days at the last campsite we were at, <laughs> old Sam, he uh, he brought he made a special trip all the way out to our campsite to bring this little paper book that he had gotten about the Brown Mountain lights and uh in that book, it was saying that after a rainstorm is the best time to view these um just very odd, ethereal orbs of light. Because in this little book he had, it said that the, the rocks, the geology of the area, when it mixes with rain, it releases some sort of gas that glows. And online, if you look it up, it just says like... Oh, no, people mistook the uh, the train light the <laughs> or car lights as the brown mountain lights.
0: But we've been walking out there like for a couple of nights and want to do it as many nights as we can here and hopefully see it. It's this mysterious light that apparently can be viewed pretty well from Wiseman's view.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So go ahead.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say um, just so many different explanations for it. Um, boy, I really wish I could see it myself 'cause i I don't know, you know, like you just you feel like you might be part of this like special club, and Sam, who had brought that book, he had seen the lights when he was a teenager, he said the high schoolers used to come up here and park <laughs> <laughs> that mysterious thing they called parking back then,
0: groping Oh. the big old grope fest,
1: yeah, and oh, and speaking of the train. Um, on the Blue Ridge Parkway, there is an overlook that's called the Loops, and we never stopped there because we were always distracted by the, the nearby apple orchard, and uh, we finally stopped there this time around and discovered that the Loops is a this really strange train track lay that's like a loop-de-loop loop around this mountain, and it's the Clinchfield Railroad. Um Had to get real southern for that. Clinchfield.
0: Clinchfield? Oh, yeah. Well, damn, my uncle's Uh, paw grew up in Clinchfield.
1: I reckon he (laughs) might (laughs) have. Yeah, Uh, yeah, so this railroad was down below the overlook. And uh, we were wondering if we could see it in the dark. And we ended up seeing kind of the the glow of a light. But then the next day at a different overlook, we actually saw the train through the trees and you can hear it even in the uh, Linville Gorge here. You can hear the train. So that's pretty cool. It's been following us for, I don't know, about a week.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that has been cool. Like all the different places we go, we hear that train whistle
1: mm-hmm. and we
0: know from the different vantage points where we've like, especially at night, followed the sound of it through the mountains, you can hear when it enters a tunnel. Gets muffled and then it comes out and it's really clear again.
1: Oh, and it's the squealing. So cool.
0: And we know right where it toots its horn, so like <laughs> it's kind of a neat orientation point, like sound mapping. Mm-hmm. You know, what? What'd you say?
1: Oh, I was like the squealing of the tires or yeah. the whatever the going wheels going around a sharp
0: curve. Yeah. But yeah, I was thinking uh, for the rest of the episode, unless uh, you know, and take it in any direction you want. Mm. But uh, maybe we go over a couple of the things that have happened to us this summer because our summer's winding down. And it's been like five months for the most part in the mountains. And man, it feels like a full five months. I mean, we talk about some of the things earlier this summer and it feels like a lifetime ago. Mm-hmm. So partly of that's probably getting old too. But anyway, <laughs> so one of the things that has kind of, uh, uh, how should I say, uh, made an impression on me is how different craft stores look now. Like Ooh, we started yeah. off in Cherokee and Cherokee is like a road full of craft stores. So in years previous, I never go in stores like that. They're like little novelty shops. I'm not going to buy anything and it's just, eh. But with all the different projects I've been working on, I mean, we were like just so impressed with the weaving and the pottery and the um, all the different crafts, like the leather work. So that was a lot of fun, and mm-hmm. we went in that museum by Asheville, right? What
1: was that yeah, called? Yeah, the um, I don't know history of Southern craft, or I don't know something about crafts. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> and man, all the the things in there were just awesome. So, um, as soon as we got on the Parkway this summer, we were coming out of Cherokee, and we went down to the Longman. What's the what's the uh, other name of that river?
1: Mm, I think it's the Oconaluftee.
0: Yeah, Oconaluftee River. Um, apparently the Cherokee word for it in the past had, uh, translated to the long man. So I like to call it the long man, but beautiful river, such a good place to take a dip. We started on the parkway and I think it was the f- possibly second day, day on the yeah. parkway. I had just like I thought we were gonna pull into an <laughs> overlook and we were done for the day. Yeah. So I had drank beer, I'd smoked some weed, I was like done driving. <laughs> I was pulled over for the day.
1: Oh, then you got pulled
0: over. I was two sheets in the wind, and I'm sitting there at this overlook, and suddenly this ranger comes speeding up, lights flashing, whips into the overlook parking lot, and comes straight up to the van with the the grill of the truck like blocking us in. So. I'm just like trying to be cool, like okay, we're, let's see where this goes. And the ranger gets out and says, uh, "Hello, sir. How's your, how are you doing, or something to that effect? How's your day?" And I said, "Well, that depends on why you're here." <laughs> and she told us that they were closing the parkway. Apparently, somebody what what we heard had hit a bridge. Mm-hmm. So. Wow, they're closing this whole southern section of the parkway. She gives us really complicated directions I am way too high to keep up with <laughs> about how to get out of the mountains and where it's going to be closed.
1: Oh, wait, and from the inside of the van, I heard only bits and pieces, and it sounded like this ranger was saying that we had to leave the Blue Ridge Parkway and that she was telling us, like, where the exits were that we could get off um But that we, we had, she was sorry, but we had to get out. I thought we were in trouble.
0: Yeah, Teresa was so freaked out when I got back in. And uh, so we start going down the parkway. She flies on down and let everybody know, get off the parkway. And uh, I don't know where we're going. I'm like, (laughs) man, I didn't think I'd be having a drive on these twisty mountain roads, you know, Mm. like. So I see uh, another road off to the left (laughs) that has more overlooks and stuff, but it's not the parkway. So I'm like. I'm gonna call this good enough until somebody tells me it's not. So I take a left, go down to the overlook, and we're there like maybe five minutes. And I'm like, all right, cool, made it here. Here comes the ranger again. (laughs) Lights on, speeds up, and she's like, you know, what did she say?
1: She 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 came up walking and laughing, but it was one of those laughs that was like, oh, "Oh,
0: I can't believe you guys are this stupid.
1: (laughs) It was that kind of laugh. And so she's
0: like. You know, I'm closing this parkway. You need to uh, exit the parkway. Do you want to wanna be... Effect. Do you want to be locked in? And I said, well, if that's an option, <laughs> yes. Like, we're ready. And so she gets in her car and leaves. So I take that to mean...
1: Oh, and she said about the dummy lock.
0: Yeah, she. but when she walked off, she told us, okay, the gate... Is dummy locked. I got people down here that I can't find that are apparently on a hike anyway. So her only option, the way she saw it at that moment, was to leave a little note yeah. on people's car the gate is dummy locked. Now, I assume that means the gate is always dummy locked. Get out when you want. <laughs> Apparently, that had a time limit because we like we were there for, I think, five days or five oh, nights.
1: Oh, my God.
0: I mean, it was delicious. We had the parkway to ourselves. Mm-hmm. We were like getting naked and bathing in streams like right on the parkway that were running on, under the parkway. Hey,
1: we did the Mile High Club at the Mile High Overlook. Oh, Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, damn, we did that, too.
1: (laughs) We (laughs) had the parkway to ourselves. It was chaos.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it was so good.
1: Oh, my God. Those are
0: the days. We eventually make our way to the gate, and we're like, all right, we've been here for about a week. You ready to go? And, yeah, let's keep on going. So we get to the, the gate, and, you know, the gate's closed, but it's actually locked. Yeah. So I'm like, huh, well, we are trapped
1: in here. So I wait
0: there. We wait there overnight, which is cool. You know, we live in our van, so it's not like we're having to get anywhere. We're just like extended camping trip. Yeah. Got food, got, you know, plenty of water. It had rained a day. We saw elk. It was awesome. So this next morning, this guy pulls up and uh, he's got his like, I think he had his lights on or something, but he just starts yelling at us right away. He's like, go back where you came from. I know you came up one of them dirt roads. Go on. Go back where you came from. I'm like, we didn't come up any dirt road. We've been locked on the parkway. And he's like, he started calling me a liar. He said, I can't remember how he said it, but he was like, calling me a liar. Yeah. Um, just, we wouldn't unlock the gate. So I'm yelling back at him. I'm like, how much fucking sense does that make? If I knew another way down, you think I just want to talk to you? And we're just yelling back and forth. I'm like, I got no place to be. I'll wait at this gate till somebody opens the fucking gate. <laughs> the guy starts pulling off and then like kind of slams on the brakes a little ways down the road, comes back, and he unlocks the gate. I guess he called in and they're like, let the guy out. We can't keep him prisoner. <laughs> but he's right. <laughs> I caught one. I caught a honky, goddammit. This don't happen every day. So we're locked on there.
1: <laughs>
0: oh, and we finally get out of there. And as I'm passing him, I'm like, see, that wasn't too hard, was it?
1: Because <laughs> Gumby can't help but just oh, This
0: guy had pissed me off. He's calling me a liar and all this shit. And we had just run into a guy earlier that same day. We were like... On our way out, he asked very politely, um, oh, do you want me to let you out? Like, he wasn't even going that way. He was going to turn around and unlock the gate for us. And I'm like, you know, actually, we're pretty cool. You know, like, we've enjoyed being locked in here. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and he had no problem with it. He, he worked for the Forest Service. No problem with it the rangers seem to be cool with it this little maintenance fucker has a problem with it
1: <laughs> the best part was that wasn't the last time we saw him
0: <laughs> yeah yeah that really was so good oh. no so we're going down the parkway <laughs> and but now we're that red van that was said they got locked on the parkway and had pissed apparently a senior member of maintenance off and maintenance up here are assholes. They're way worse than the rangers for the most part. Yeah. Maintenance are little bitches that tattle on you and just fucking like... Not all maintenance. We met a couple of cool guys. But man, an inordinate amount of the maintenance crew up here is just...
1: Like they got nothing better to do. They must get like a bag of chips if they see something, say something. (laughs) Yeah, or something. (laughs) A pack of nabs. So... Maintenance keeps
0: tattling on us. We're not on the parkway every night, but we are on the parkway a few nights and uh, they're not catching us. But they are, in fact, correctly deducing that we are sleeping on the parkway. Um, So they they tattle on us to a a ranger. So this ranger, once again, pulls up. (laughs) He's getting out. It turns out to be this ranger that had kicked us off or had showed up to see if we were camping at another overlook the year before (laughs) because somebody had seen our our tarps out. And I'm just like, nope, we're just drying out our tarps. That's the thing. Nobody catches you up here. It's rare. Yeah. It's just, you know, they harass you. (laughs) They like try to harass you away.
1: And we were drying out the tarps not because we had a shelter up. We were drying out the tarps because we were trying to catch rainwater in the
0: tarps. Yeah. Yeah. We actually weren't using the tarps. We were sleeping in our van, which you know whatever but we had a hobo stove going which technically you're not supposed to have but he didn't have a problem with it once again we had a hobo stove going when he shows up still didn't have a problem with it
1: that's he like asked, a, a can with a fire in it like a small can yeah to cook on
0: and he asked uh the first thing he says is do you have any weapons and i said uh, nothing but these hands that could kill a man
1: gumby <laughs> you're also a pokey
0: Yeah. But he he smiled when I said that. So it wasn't like an escalating thing. He was just all right. He was a cool, pretty cool ranger. So, you know, he's like taking my information and I'm feeling kind of like every time I encounter law enforcement now, I'm like, shit, is this a time I should stand against it? Or is this reasonable? You know, is is this just like suck up your ego? Because I feel like maybe we crossed that line with law enforcement as a culture somewhere. Mm-hmm. We started being the victims and like something else happened other than just standing up for a right. So anyway, um, so he's taking my information and uh, <laughs> I'm telling him, I said, you know, we've seen a lot of bad stuff up here. We've been getting harassed <laughs> by maintenance, by rangers, because another ranger had, uh, told us a couple of days before him. Same ranger that actually gave us permission to be on the parkway. Yeah. Um, She's, you know, telling us you can't sleep on the
1: parkway. Really polite. but <laughs> we said, well, you you were the ones that, or we were the ones that were locked in. And she was like, well, that was a misunderstanding.
0: Yeah, yeah. She says something about it being a misunderstanding. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. So this ranger, you know, I'm like, we've seen some crap on the parkway. We have seen
1: vandalism. We've actually seen crap on the parkway.
0: Yeah. We've seen people shit right in the middle of the sidewalk. I mean, we've seen hypodermic needles, like there's stuff that I wouldn't mind somebody uh, doing something about, making it a little less hospitable for some of the people just wrecking some of the most beautiful places on earth. But I told him, I see a lot of stuff. And you know, one thing they all have in common, every single crime I see up here. And he says, what? And I said, they were all awake. They did it. (laughs) The only Best line ever (laughs) I said the only people that you know for a fact aren't doing any harm on this parkway are sleeping Yeah So unless you make that a crime, which is the most ridiculous thing in the world (laughs) It's like even a serial killer He might eat and rape and kill people He might be a father raper as Arlo Guthrie would say (laughs) But when he's asleep, he's harmless as a kitten Yeah so anyway, yeah, the guy the guy laughed at that, and he said, you know, I don't bother people. It's only when I get called. He's like, I don't see any problem. He was just kind of like, I'll, he actually said when he left, I'll see you next year. <laughs> and I said, probably so. <laughs> so where are we? 24 minutes. I feel like I've been doing a lot of talking. I got other things I could recap on the parkway, but... Uh,
1: well, let's just, can we at least suffice to say that our summer has been... Um, we felt like we were on the run. I felt like I was having panic attacks oh. for the first part of our summer because of all the authority.
0: Yeah. And but, and part of that was terrain because when we got to the places where we could be for two weeks camping, <laughs> we could have sped up and we eventually did. But we try to go as slow as we can on the parkway usually because it's such a beautiful experience. Mm-hmm. But there are times when you catch the wrong attention that it's just like, oh, it's not worth the stress. Like we got, you know, they're just dogging our heels. So yeah. Get to a campsite.
1: Yeah.
0: <clears throat> but I know a story that actually you know better than me that I was wanting to uh, recap the summers when we were north of Asheville at the Craggy Gardens Visitor Center. Oh. <laughs> Mr. Appalachistan. Yeah. Like,
1: would you yeah. tell us about him? I was asking the uh, the guy that worked at this visitor center on the parkway about, I I guess I was asking him about places to camp, or I was looking for a a specific National Geographic map, and um, he was trying to explain to me about campgrounds, including the ones where you have to pay, and I was like, no, 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 I was just, well, first of all, I was just wanting a map so I could see the terrain of the area, Um, and he started launching into this, well, I don't know. He was just talking about how it's dangerous in the mountains. And, uh, one of his friends who is black and is a photographer won't get out of his car from that visitor center or around Asheville all the way to the past the Tennessee border. Cause it was like Appalachia Stan.
0: Yeah. We had talked in our last episode about Sam and like the N word and how we were uncomfortable, like not knowing how to navigate that situation. And like, Sam is like definitely more on the right. So this was kind of, to me, like a similar situation, but with a dude that far on the left. Mm-hmm. So now he's describing everybody in the mountains as this ignorant race, racist. He calls it Appalachistan. He's building up fear, like, there's places I wouldn't camp. Well, he he doesn't talk like that. But, <laughs> there's places I wouldn't camp. There
1: you go. <laughs> I listen oh. to
0: NPR. So, you know, I know stuff, Mm -hmm. but, uh, yeah. So he's, and he's talking about all the Confederate flags on the parkway. We don't actually see that many. Um, and like Teresa was saying, that black friend of his that's scared to get out in the, and you know, like he's just going to get hung from a tree by these racist whites. We run into black people, um, up on the parkway. And so much of this division and racism is fucking drummed up by people who are just like trying to create it. I've seen uh, country, like black people just as country as any white redneck up there. Mm -hmm. Remember, uh, what's her name? Invited us over to her place to camp if we ever wanted to. Oh,
1: yeah. I wrote her name down, but I don't have the notebook. Oh, she was hick as
0: hell, but so sweet. (laughs) She got out and just started like talking and, you know, just so open and conversational and left like inviting us over. Uh, Just this little old black lady. Mm -hmm. Sweet as hell. Country as
1: fuck. (laughs) Like her family had lived up in the mountains. Yeah. For like a couple generations at least. That's why she lived in the mountains.
0: Yeah. And we've run into so many like cool black people up there. And they're not scared because the danger is being drummed up by fools like this NPR guy. guy. (laughs) Yeah. Just drumming up the racism, you know, taking it to a fever pitch. I've seen biker gangs, and I've mentioned this before, that... uh. There's a black biker with a bunch of other white bikers, and some of the white bikers are flying Confederate flags. They're all traveling together. They're going to eat together at a Mexican restaurant. It's no big deal. <laughs> so you got your flag? Fine. I mean it's just fucking hype. It's not the real world and it's uh Yeah. It's annoying. Yeah. Well, what you gotta say?
1: Um, uh, well, the other thing that uh something that happened this summer, we were right near I mean front row seats to a search and rescue, um, that unfortunately it turned out that the guy had died. But, um, God, he, his mom, and I guess his maybe grandma, um, they got our attention while we were walking Sherlock one morning and gave us this flyer about this guy named Gabe who was uh, missing, and he had been missing for already, like, by then, three weeks or something.
0: Yeah, we were there just a couple of days, and we were taking a morning walk and ran into them.
1: Yeah, and uh, basically, uh, this guy was supposed to attend a concert, didn't show up, and then for the next several weeks, the for whatever reason the police department um, where he lived at, where he was a resident at, they didn't really do anything. So the mom was like freaking out, trying to get as many um, authorities on board with her to help her find her son.
0: And right after that, right after they talked to us and gave us the flyer, they went further up that road and found his car after he'd been yeah. missing for, what, a couple weeks, right?
1: Yeah. And what's strange is as much heat as we get, I mean, Granted, we are doing stuff, but, you know, as much heat as we get from being up on the parkway, and there's these forest volunteers as well that are around where the campgrounds are at that we stay at, and that car, having sat there for several weeks, you mean to tell me no ranger was called, no sheriff was notified, like, that car was sitting there for at least a week according to the forest volunteer that I spoke to. Yeah,
0: and that uh, time we were there, I mean, it was just the busiest by far we'd ever seen that road. Uh, search and rescue vehicles, sheriffs, rangers, um, four-wheelers, um, yeah. just first aid things, trackers. I mean, it was just everybody was up there looking for this guy.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: so our time in the mountains for, what like, would you say, like three weeks?
1: yeah. It was we were just
0: at... uh, all about this dude. Everywhere we went, you know, it's like people mention him. There's just constantly search and rescue vehicles.
1: Posters and everything. Yeah.
0: And they finally found his body, um, like, down one of the trails off of that road, Curtis Creek Road. Um, and it looked like he had fallen.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't know any updates, but uh, it seemed like there wasn't foul play. But I don't know. They were doing an autopsy last I checked. But yeah. But yeah. The, one of the best parts about that story, um, is that his family, they said like our newest angel and I thought that was really cool. Not because I'm all Christian or anything, but I just thought what a what a novel way to look at that. I'd never heard that before.
0: Hmm. Well, we were, we've been trying to keep these episodes around an hour, and this evening especially we got eggs to boil and stuff to do. So <laughs> we're at a half-hour mark. Uh, Teresa, is there anything you want to share? Like, do you want to close this out?
1: Well, I felt like we just ended on a downer, but... Uh, <laughs> um...
0: What do you got? You got a joke? You got, some, you got an upper?
1: No, I don't. I don't. Oh, I know one thing. What?
0: Do you know what, like, apparently in the book of Luke... When Jesus came back, he said he was going (laughs) to rise from the dead. And they're like, what does he mean? You know, like they're kind (laughs) of hemming and hawing like these fucking apostles. It's like a comedy (laughs) skit. But (laughs) it is. There's so many funny parts. But when Jesus comes back, like, was it the first time he came back?
1: I don't know. It was one of the first, like maybe the second time or something.
0: Yeah. How many times did he come back?
1: I don't know. In some accounts, he came back for like a, a period of 40 days after he died. Yeah. At various intervals. But this one time he showed up.
0: Oh, well, he. it's a really weird part of the Bible. Like it's mysterious because he keeps showing up and people don't recognize him.
1: What does that mean? I think it means he turned into a blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus. That's why that he did not That explains didn't. a lot.
0: Oh, oh, dude. He came back and he had blonde hair and blue eyes. Yeah. The second time he came back, he had a red hat and a big white beard. <laughs> this explains everything. everything. Oh, man. But oh. anyway, there's one of, like, it's in the Bible that Jesus shows up and they're like, oh my God, it's Jesus. Like, he's arisen from the dead again. And they're like, they they, they had not found words to express their awe. It says something like this in the Bible. And the first thing Jesus says is, Hey, got anything to eat?
1: <laughs> Luke twenty four forty one.
0: Luke twenty four forty one, yeah. So there's my upper I did what I could.
1: Luke twenty four forty two. That and cracks
0: me up every time. Like, and geez.
1: they gave him a piece of broiled fish. Yeah. So if you need a Bible verse to tell to somebody, you can look that up. I
0: mean, it just sounds so Animal House. just goes up like, stop. What have we got to eat around this motherfucker? It's been three days. Damn. We build up an appetite, yo.
1: Oh, we have a website, escapingsociety.weeblywithab.com. You can check that out if you're interested. And uh, Gumby, you got anything else you want to say? Nope. I think we got to boil some eggs. All right, let's go boil some eggs. Bye. Oh,
0: society sucks and we don't need it. It's killing your kids, so why do you feed it? They'll tell you to stay, but you don't need to eat it. You can give them the finger.
1: There's no time to think.
0: So, thank you for listening to our song. It's not very good and it went kind of long. Don't care if you like it, because we'll be gone over that next horizon.
1: We ain't got no.